nagged you, friends have ignored you, and various people have told you how to run your life. You know that when nobody else could really be bothered, only be critical, Jesus, Jesus gave you love. One of the outstanding things of the whole life of the Lord Jesus is the way he expressed his love. And I want to share with you for a moment or two from this fourth chapter of John's Gospel, and we start in the, in the verse uh, 27 and go but downwards a little way. There isn't a great deal of time in this service to get into a great deal of detail, but I want to tell you that I know sitting in this congregation are some people who surely will want to get right with the Lord Jesus. I know there are some who want to make a public profession of their faith, and they want to join the fellowship of our church. And at the end of this service, we shall sing a hymn. And during the singing of the two verses of that hymn, I'm going to encourage you to come forward and just stand quietly and prayerfully, and let me pray with you at the front of the church here. And as the other people leave, we'll ask you to leave quietly. The organ will be playing but we just ask you to leave quietly and prayerfully and lovingly. But let me express to all those that will come forward, and if you've not determined to do this today, I'm asking you now to think about this, for God is longing to bless you. He is desirous to bless you. We have this story of this lady. She was a lady that the rest of the people, they knew she was there, she created quite a stir every time she moved around in that town. She was quite a character one way and another. And the people ignored her. They criticized her. They ostracized her. They didn't want much to do with her. But Jesus needed to see her. Now there's a time when Satan deals with us and he makes us so ostracized by everyone around us that we feel that we are the only soul in all the world and we're filled with an immense of self-pity. We look at our sin and we despair. We look at our position and we're absolutely deflated and we hardly know what to do with ourselves, but Jesus must meet with us. Now you may have come to a religion and the religion proved absolutely useless. You may have come to some point where you sang hymns, you went forward, you did all kinds of things that the religious people told you to do, but still there was an ache and an emptiness within your heart, within your soul. What must we do? We must come and find and discover Jesus. When this lady was confronted with the Lord Jesus and he said, give me something to drink, she said, well, why weren't you prepared to get your own drink? Why do you talk to me? I'm a Samaritan. Jews don't drink from the same cup as Samaritans. She started an argument that was both racial and religious. He dismissed the argument and he said, if only you could realize who it is that speaks to you and that person is saying this, if you will receive his water, out of you shall flow rivers of living water, and you'll never, never thirst again. Now you can go off into tangents galore, and you can teach all kinds of things from this. But my dear people, there is only one place Jesus was speaking of. He was saying, come to me. 
You can go into all types of theology. You can go into any type of denominational background you care to do. But my dear, dear people, Jesus is saying, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and I am the bread, and I am the light. And if any man thirst, let him come to me. I'll quench his thirst. You can be a super Baptist. You can be a splendid Baptocostal. You can be a splendid theologian. You can have all manner of learning, all manner of understanding, all types of biblical teaching. You can have a colossal religious background and still be so hungry. And Jesus said, come to me. He said to the woman, come to me. And she sort of came and he said, I'll prove to you that I am the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, who bears away the sin of the world. <coughs> Go and get your husband. Oh, I don't have one. You've been truthful because you have five and the man you're with isn't yours. Suddenly she realized that this was the one who could see beyond the facade. This was the one that could see through all the masking that she could possibly put in between the two of them. This was the one who could penetrate the depth of her soul. And it was as if she said, wash me in the very depths. They had a conversation. We're not, we're not privy to all of it. She ran off and said to people in the town, and it used to be, if, if you only had the authorized version, you used to think that she went to all the men and told the men to come and see this man. But if you look at other versions in the original language, it says she went back to the Samaritans, the people, and she said, come. And she crossed the barriers that these religious people would not cross. She said to all of them, come and see a man. Is this not the Christ? Is this not the solution? Is this not the Savior? Come. And she was so powerful in her profession, so tremendous in her testimony, why lots of people turned out and went to see Jesus. Now we come to verse 27. And the concern of the disciples is this. <clears throat> that Jesus hasn't eaten, he's weary, he's tired, and he's sitting by the well. They found him talking to this woman who is now gone, and they say to him, and if you use the NIV in verse 34, my, they, they say to him, have something to eat. And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And to finish his work. My food. Let's look at the cuisine of Jesus. The cuisine of Jesus was to speak his holy word into the hearts of men and women. His, his food was to do the will and complete the work of him who sent him. The food of Jesus was to be about his father's business. The food of Jesus was to be doing the things that God the Father had told him to do. He was to fulfill the will and to finish the work that God had sent him to do. That was his food. The disciples still can't understand. They're still scratching their heads and asking, did somebody bring in some food? Their mind is on food and all they can think of is food. On Friday, we had some cinnamon rolls cooking in the kitchen downstairs. And I tell you, all the staff, throughout all their devotional time and everywhere else, they were thinking cinnamon rolls. Terrible business. 
Nobody could concentrate. Cinnamon rolls was on the top of our mind because it was at the top of the tip of our noses. Oh, it smelled good. There was a thief amongst us. It tasted good. <laughs> These men had one thing in their mind, food. Has he eaten already? We didn't see him eat. Where are the crumbs? Where's the, where are those packages from the burger stands? They're not laying around. I imagine Jesus was tidier than some people. All these things. There's no evidence. Where did he get his food? And he, they don't ask the question. They're frightened. They're frightened to ask him why he was talking to the woman. They were frightened to ask him, well, what food do you, do you really mean? Where did you eat? What burger stand did you go to? And Jesus very quietly answers them without answering them. They, he doesn't let on that he understands their hearts. And he says, listen to me. My food is to do God's will and to finish the work that he's given me to do. That's my food. I live in that atmosphere. I live in that passion. I live in this place. They don't understand what he's talking about. And he says, I, I've got a little conundrum for you. It's about the time of the year, isn't it, when you say in four months we'll have the harvest. Is that right? And they sort of nod, I imagine, in agreement. Jesus says, well, let's use that as an illustration. You say four months before the harvest, to show you what my food is, I say to you, look into the fields, for they are already white unto harvest. And what he's talking about is this multitude of people that are coming out of the town of Sychar, and they're coming to listen to this person. This woman has said, come see, is this not the Christ? Now it may well be that some dear soul has talked to you and said, come to church, listen about Jesus. They may have invited you to lunch or dinner or something, they may have befriended you, and in a sense they have sort of got your confidence, and so you're sitting in this congregation today. And you're sitting there and you're saying, well, I, I know that, that there are good things about Jesus Christ and I know the Bible has something to say and I know my soul has a deep need. There is a lot of things I know. But I want you to listen to Jesus as Jesus speaks. I want you to see Jesus as Jesus is. He is filled with love. He is filled with blessing. He is filled with power. And that power and that blessing and that love is for you. My dear friend, it's for us. We are to be filled with His power. We are to be filled with His blessing. We are to be filled with His peace and filled with His joy and filled with His presence. One of the most amazing things that you can ever discover about the Lord Jesus is this. That the power of the resurrection that He is, when you believe on Him, you have that power. You have the same power the same might, the same colossus, the same ability, because the power of the resurrection is upon you, within you, and living in you, and is exuding from you, and is going out of you. It is this river of living water, this power that is pouring from you. Now you look around and you say, well, pastor, you may say that, but sure don't see much of it. No, that's true. Because just like those of you that have come to this church or come to this service, shall we say, because others have brought you, we need to see Jesus. We are so desperate to see Jesus. 
We are so desperate to come under the power and under the influence and under the person of Jesus. We go off into tangents of theology. We go off into tangents of experientialism. We go into tangents of experience and all these things, but we need Jesus. Thomas needed Jesus. The disciples said, we've seen the Lord. He said, oh yes, I've heard all those stories before. Unless I take my finger and put it into the prints of his hands and feet and take my hand and place it into the slit in his side, I don't believe that. I saw him die at Calvary. I don't believe that. And when Jesus stood in front of him and said, now you reach hither your finger and you reach hither your hand and be not faithless but be believing, he fell on his feet, faced with Jesus and said, my Lord, my God. A lot of difference. You see, today we're not asking you to leave your seat and come forward for anything less or anyone less than Jesus. We're not asking you to have a religious experience. We're not asking you to have some sort of religiosity. We're not even asking you to have a renewal of something or other. We are asking you to come and to be confronted with no one less than Jesus. I think it's so essential. These people came out, listen to them as they speak, for the words are fantastic. Prior to verse 43, you'll see them from between 39 and 43, we see the people coming out to Jesus, and they listen to Jesus, and as they listen, eventually they turn to the woman, and, we, and they say, we no longer believe because of you and your testimony. We now believe that because of Him, and because He obviously is the Savior, he, the Son of God, He obviously is who He says He is. No longer is a testimony necessary. The woman is now superseded. Her testimony is superseded. And these people come into some sort of experience that is broader and wider and holier and more glorious than the one of coming out of sheer curiosity. Oh dear people, we must have such an experience with Jesus. We must come to know Jesus more. It's all very well to, for me and other preachers to talk about the power of God. It's all very well for us to tell you that the power of God does this and does that. And when the power of God is at work, these things happen. It's all very well for, for us to tell you when the Spirit of God is released, all these things will be seen and all these other things shall be obvious. That's all very fine. But what we need is the experience to behold Him face to face. You struggle with purity. Some of us do. You struggle with truthfulness. Some of us do. You struggle with a, with, with a tongue that is slanderous. Some of us do. You struggle with exaggeration. Some of us do. You struggle with a lack of gentleness, a lack of tenderness, a lack of mercy. Some of us do. Are you judgmental? Some of us are. You know why? Jesus isn't being looked at, for none of those attributes can be laid at His feet. You can never see these things in Jesus. 
We've got a religion. We take the letter of the law, the letter of the word, and we say, I keep it. Look. But we step aside, having kept it, we, and we rearrange the words so that we have unspeak. We have non-speak words. We have a new way of communicating. Enemies become friends. Wars become kindness. And all this sort of nonsense that Mr. Orwell wrote about that is absolutely true in our generation. And the trouble is this, that Christians are doing the same things as the world and we need to see Jesus. The blind man was blind. The dumb man was dumb. The lame man was lame. The deaf man was deaf. The dead were dead until they saw Jesus. This church will remain as it is until we have a good look into the face of Jesus and understand that Jesus doth do always the will of His Father and He is forever glorifying the Father and He is forever showing us the Father and He is forever saying to us, be blessed by the power, by the joy, by the peace, by the might of God the Father. Be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. But I hear the heart throb of people. We want the blessing. We want the power. We want the might. We want God. Oh, we want God on our terms. Now listen to this. A hymn writer caught this whole, this whole picture. The hymn writer dipped the pen in indelible ink and wrote, Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. It was written so simply Not on my terms. Jesus simply said to this woman, Woman, I am the one that can give you water of blessing and of power and of purity and of love and of glory and peace that is beyond your understanding but you need to see me. And she ran off. And she brought people. She said, come see him. And they saw him. And they turned and said, lady, like the queen of Sheba, when she spoke of Solomon, I'd heard great things of you, she said, King Solomon, but I've come here and discovered that the half hasn't been told. And they turned to the woman and they said, Woman, thank you for your testimony. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you. But woman, now we trust Him because we believe Him, not you. Isn't that glorious? Will you come as we sing this two verses of this hymn? Will you come? And will you come because you see Him and not because I'm asking you to come? Will you come 
because you just love the Lord Jesus? Will you come because even if you don't understand it, there is something that is impelling you? Will you come wherever you are? Let's stand and sing 200 or 622.